you have a, a Bible, we turn uh, to Genesis chapter 2 and passage that we read together, focusing especially on verses 8 uh, to 15 uh, of this chapter. Firstly then, the foundations uh, for living, thinking today of work. What is your work status? Are you employed, unemployed, employer, retired? All of us are connected in some way to work. Work is part of our humanity, as we will see, and we are all involved in it. Not all work is paid work, as you well know. Not all work is done for an employer. Some of us do housework. Children and teenagers do schoolwork, homework. Some people do part-time work or voluntary work. And at the gym, a strange breed of people do what is called a workout. Work is in a range of forms and it is part of all of our lives. And we come to this first foundation of living, work. We'll notice other foundations for living like the Sabbath day, like marriage, like covenant, like grace and obedience. But today we're thinking of this first of seven foundations, work. The book I recommend on work, and there have been quite a number of books recommended recently, and this one will go into the the little church library. Remember the alliteration, table you may take, bookcase you may borrow. Uh, This one is going into the the bookcase. Uh, It's by Daniel Doriani, uh, recently published Doriani is a really gifted preacher and writer. It's a thoroughly comprehensive work on the subject of work. It's purpose, dignity, and transformation. And if there's one book that you are going to read about work, I would recommend that this is the one. And it'll be sitting out there for anyone that wants to borrow it. Maybe you're sitting there thinking to yourself, a sermon on work. <coughs> I've never heard a sermon work before, you might say, and and that is quite ironic because most of you have been in full-time work, some of you are in part-time work, some of you are retired from work, and work has been such an important part of your life, and the church has things to say about work. Or perhaps your thought about hearing a sermon on work has developed and you're saying, well, well, here's someone speaking to me about work who only works one day a week. And I recognize that my type of work is, is quite very different from your nine-to-five job. But we all think about work. And we're all involved in work. And it's so really important for us as we think about the foundations of our living to include work and a consideration of it in those foundations. And there's three points uh, that we want to to learn uh, about work uh, today. The why of our work, the where of our work, and the what of our work from our passage in Genesis 2, 8 to 15. And the why of our work, and, and all three of them are really important things and perhaps could be transformational for you as you think about work and engage in work. The first is the why 
of our work. And it might come as a surprise to you as we've talked to the children about that work was part of the world before the fall. Before sin entered, the thorns began growing, the bones and the joints began creaking, work was there. It was ordained by God for our first parents in the Garden of Eden. And there's two reasons for that that are really important for us to grasp as we think of why there is work in our life. The first is, as we've said, reflection. We are made in the image of God. We know from chapter 1 that we studied last year that God is an active God. He works. He has made creation in those six days. And he's enjoyed the satisfaction of looking back and seeing what he has done. And so our work is an outworking of us being made in the image of this active working God. When we work, we are reflecting our God who works. So that is one reason. It's a gracious reason. It's a loving reason. He's not insisting that we're his slaves, that we have some uh, lowly occupation, but this elevates our thought of work, that, that when we work, we are acting like God, who, who is the worker supreme. But a second dimension of why we work is cooperation. God doesn't do everything himself. He includes us in his plans and purposes for us. He does his part, and then he gives us a part to, to be involved in his work. We are colleagues in working with God. We cooperate with God. He does the impossible things. He sends the rain. He makes the sun to rise. Things that are beyond the bounds of our powers. But then it's us who reap the fields, who bake the bread, who deliver it to the supermarkets, who sit at the till and sell the goods. There is cooperation between God doing his part and us doing our part. This is why we have work. This is why we're involved in work. We reflect our God and we cooperate. We finish off the work that he himself does. And here is Adam and Eve placed in the Garden of Eden. In verse 15, we, we have this word put that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. And it's a really rich and interesting and significant Hebrew word. The word literally means caused to rest. He was placed in the garden in a place of rest and fulfillment and joy and occupation. And sometimes we cannot unite those two things of work and rest and fulfillment. But here they are. This is the ideal. This is how it's meant to be for us. God caused to rest Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in occupation and work. This was their destiny. This was the place they were appointed for. Uh, the word is used in Deuteronomy 3.20 of Israel entering the land of Canaan. That was their destiny. That was the place 
that they rested from all their travels, from all their warfare. They came to the land of Canaan. So Adam and Eve are placed, they are caused to rest in the Garden of Eden with this role of working. Verse uh, number 15 uses the two words, uh, to work it and to keep it. Two dimensions of the roles given to them. To toil in the soil. To manage and care for the creation. To work it. To keep it. And those two words become significant when we learn about the children of Adam and Eve. They're both used, one of Cain and the other of Abel in chapter 4. Cain was a tiller of the ground. The Hebrew word work it is used of him. Abel was a keeper of sheep. The Hebrew word keep it is used of him. The two sons demonstrate and illustrate the functions given to mankind to work it, to keep it. One writer has claimed, as we think of the why of our work, that work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It's part of who we are as people reflecting God and cooperating with God. And we need this biblical approach to our work, that it is work from God, especially on a Monday morning when we are exhausted and finding it hard to get going. And this is a really important shift in thinking that has taken place within the Christian church. The general view of work before the Reformation was that work was evil. The aim was to be released from labor and servile work and to engage in contemplation and meditation. That was the view of the Greeks. It was adopted by the early, the medieval church. And so they had their monasteries. And the aim of the pious and the godly was to leave work and enter the monastery where there was no work but contemplation. They left the secular and they engaged in the spiritual. But at the time of the Reformation, Luther and Calvin transformed the understanding of work and they broke down that false wall between the sacred and the spiritual aspect of work. And Luther argued, as you probably well know, that the milkmaid, milking the cow in the parlor, was doing the work of God. That God provides food for our tables, doesn't he? But he doesn't do it directly. He uses the milkmaid in the parlor to finish off his work of provision and bring the butter and the milk to our table. So Luther said, God is milking the cows with the maid's hands. Her work, he argued, was as important as a minister's work. There wasn't this dichotomy, this 
contrast between secular and sacred work, both were God's work. And so we're to recognize that in the Garden of Eden, God appointed work, and that today God uses our work to accomplish and finish off his plans. Those of you who have studied economics at school will be familiar with David Hume. And he argued that work is all about making money. If you studied recent history, you'll know about Karl Marx, who said that work was nothing to do with money. But the biblical position avoids those extremes. And it argues that our work reflects the God who has made us and whom we worship And we finish off, we cooperate with the work that he does. And so God gives us children, a blessing and a gift from him, a wonderful work of God beyond our powers. But then he hands them over to us to feed, to clothe, to educate, to teach, to encourage, to support We're finishing off. We're cooperating with God's work. He's doing the impossible. He gives us the task of doing the possible. God has commanded care for the poor. And your voluntary work in the charity shop is cooperating with God. He doesn't put on the 15-inch woolly fleece shirt on the back of the poor person. It's you that sells it to the poor person. But you are cooperating with God's intention, with God's plan. And this transforms our view of work. We're reflecting God. He's active. We're active. We're cooperating with God. He does part of the work, but he gives us a part to do as well. Some people are against robots being introduced into the workplace. Oh, they're getting rid of jobs. The argument for robots, of course, is that they do it more efficiently. They put the screw in faster and probably in the right place every time and provide more profit then for the employer. But there is another biblical argument for robots been placed in workplaces and that is that it takes away those mundane jobs of being shut in a a room or, or in a basement doing tedious work constricting the glorious people that we are creative made in the image of God it's locking in the potential it's restricting people from expressing the creative abilities That God has given to us, made in his image. And so if robots can do these tedious jobs, they'll release us to be far more creative in our employment and in our work and in our, our labor. The why of our work. To reflect God. To cooperate with our God. Secondly, the where of our work. In 2 verse 8, God places the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden in the east. And this is an important point as well. That God recognizes the importance of a good working environment to maximize output. 
gives attention not only to the job that they have, but where they'll fulfill that job. And managers and line managers within companies are aware of this. The importance of a good working environment for their staff. Not only the relationships which are there within the working staff, that there's unity, that there's oneness of purpose, that communication is good, but also the working environment, the decor within the office, the chairs that they're sitting on, the plants that are growing, the window seats that are available, the lighting, the desks are all important to maximize the output of the workers. And here is God. And he places the first workers in the most stupendous environment in the Garden of Eden. In verse 8 we read, he put them in the garden in Eden. And we're to understand this phrase as Eden being a region, and and, and we had a a little map at at the start there where it might be, its it's identity is is hard to to nail down. So so region, uh, the the region of Eden was was large, but then within that large area we have in verse 8, a garden in Eden. We have Antrim Town and Antrim County. Here in the Bible, we have Eden Region and then Eden Garden, the workplace of Adam and Eve, a glorious environment. The trees were in abundance, pleasant in their appearance, delightful in their taste, symbolic and indicative of the the majestic nature of this garden which God had created. An abundance of rivers are there to provide fertility and and, and watering so that the plants all grow and flourish and advance. It was a luxurious place, well watered, constantly referred back to by the rest of Scripture uh, as the, the optimum region ever to be experienced or known within our world. This was where God situated the first workers. When I was working in the bank, I started off in the background, counting coins and notes and delivering messages to other banks in the, in the city of Perth. I had a basic desk and a chair and absolutely no window. But upstairs, the managers had plush offices, plants, leather chairs, attractive lighting, ash desks, coffee machines, secretaries. And all of us downstairs, we wanted to progress upstairs because we knew that the location of work was important. Can you imagine Adam and Eve waking up for work every morning? The sight of flowering cherries and the sound of rippling brooks. The working environment was important for them and it is for us. Perhaps the young person you study in your bedroom and I encourage you to kit it out well To make it a place, as I've tried to do with my study in the house, that I want to go into. To put up posters, motivational sayings, collect memorabilia from all across the world from your friends that will encourage you, that will ignite within you creativity, drive, so that you will produce your optimum work within that workspace in which you labor and serve. The location was important. 
And God does place us in jobs. For the young people, it's their schoolwork at this time. For some of you, it's voluntary work or part-time work. But the question arises then, the God who set Adam and Eve here, who places us in our workplace, what happens when it gets tough in your workplace? What are you to do when it becomes difficult in the place where God, you believe, has set you? Many of us will tough it out by his grace. And some people think that's the only option. Luther maintained that. He maintained the place God puts you and the role God puts you in, you should stay there. So if you're a farm laborer, don't think about advancing to becoming a farmer. You remain a farm laborer. But Calvin was different. Calvin taught that if there's the opportunity, if there's the ability within you to advance, to change, to move, to go on, you grasp that. That is how God has gifted you. Utilize your gift to the full. And recognize that that is his plan and opportunity for you in your life. The why of work. The where of work. And lastly, the what of our work. The what in this question or statement, the what of work, is asking what place is work to have in our lives? For some people, it's the last place. They don't work or they don't enjoy their work. For others, it's the first place. It's all they do. Family, hobbies, Jesus are all far behind. They're workaholics. As we study this prolonged description of work in verses 9 to 14, we realize the place that God wants work to have in our lives. It's to be inferior to the place we give to Jesus. One of the brilliant things in this description of work is the trees. The many trees, the fruitful trees, the pleasant trees, the luxuriant trees, the trees which are pleasing to the eye and to the taste, they were in abundance. But then there was the tree, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge. And there is this wonderful balance, there is this wonderful contrast. The trees were for the six days of labor. Enjoy the trees. Work with the trees, tend the trees, cultivate the trees, but then keep your focus right. There's the tree of life. There's the tree of knowledge. Both those trees in the middle of the garden, symbolizing that life is given by God, symbolizing that true wisdom is from God. And so Adam and Eve, engaged in work in the garden, were to be involved in caring for the garden and laboring within the garden among the trees, but then central to their mind, to their heart, to their focus, was the tree, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge. One of the incredible things for me, for you, is that the two words in verse 15, work and keep are used 
of the priests in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers working in the temple and the tabernacle. They were working. They were keeping. They were doing that in connection to to God's building, but so were Adam and Eve working and keeping. There is this overlap. There is this interplay of the secular and the, the sacred because all our work and keeping is to be done with a mind to God. The beauty of Eden spoke of heaven. Again and again, the Bible in Revelation and Ezekiel looks back to the rivers, to the trees, and describes the glory of heaven in terms taken from Eden. We're to think of the Garden of Eden as a mirror of heaven. When you looked at the Garden of Eden, you saw heaven. It's like those lakes on a, on a calm day uh, reflecting the sky. You look at the lake and you see the clouds uh, drifting across in the skies. This was Eden. It was a window. It was an insight into heaven. And as Adam and Eve lived their life, as they labored, they were reminded constantly of the God who had made them, the God who was with them, the God who loved them. And so are we. We're to have this balance of work and worship. We have the saying, Jimmy Jones is so heavenly minded. And we were thinking of it on Wednesday night, or or one of the Wednesdays. He was so heavenly minded that he's no earthly use. And that's a wrong work-worship balance. Perhaps some of us are so earthly minded, we're no heavenly use. And that's also a wrong Work-worship balance. But here, Genesis directs us that the place that work is to have in our life is not the be-all and end-all of our life, but mingled in with our work is to be our worship of God. There's two ways of dehumanizing ourselves, isn't there? One is by not working. And we're not thinking of people who are sick or people who are retired. We're thinking of people who are lazy. And we dehumanize ourselves by not working. We're made to work. But the other way of dehumanizing ourselves is to, to just have work and to neglect worship. Because we're also made to worship God. The trees and the tree. The six days of labor and the one day of worship is there for us. The why of our work, the where of our work, the what of our work. Are you retired? I encourage you to keep involved in voluntary work as as many of you are doing, saying that you've never been as busy in your life. Are you unemployed? Well, we sympathize with you and we will help you in whatever way we can to find you employment. Are you stressed at work? Work is not a place that you find joy and fulfillment in. Maybe, perhaps, you you need to stay there and prove God's strength for you. Perhaps you need a break and time to recover from that stress. Or maybe you need to change your workplace and get away from the unreasonable expectations or people that are bringing that stress on you. Whatever our work, let's be clear on the why of our work 
and the where of our work and the what of our work. Let's by grace embrace it and know that overlap between worship and work. But there's one work that none of us have cooperated in or can cooperate in. And that is the work of salvation. Jesus has done everything required for our salvation, for our acceptance before a holy and almighty God. And as you and I come acknowledging our unworthiness and trusting only in the work of Jesus, we will be forgiven and given grace to serve him in this life and taken into that glorious Eden and paradise in the presence of God.